So today we're going to be talking about a couple of things first, and then we're going to go to some phone calls. You know, the first thing that we're going to discuss is going to be uh, the news that broke not too long ago that demolition of the 1122 King Road residence is going to happen a little bit later this month. You know, before we get into this statement uh, made by the Gonsalves family's lawyer and sent to me by Christy uh, Gonsalves herself, um, I want to get your guys' opinion first and foremost. So, Big Blue, um, you first, my man. W- what do you think about, you know, the demolition of the house? How does that make you feel? Do you think it's the right move, the wrong move? What What does it tell you about the case? I mean, for me, I wanted the house to be there to the court date. But I understand why the, I guess the city wants it torn down or the university. Uh, they want to move past this tragedy mm-hmm. and they want to build a memorial, you know, remembering the lives that were lost. I think it's a good on one side. For some people, it'd be better to move on. But for some people, I think they want it up to the court cases done. Yeah. Where do you, where would you stand? Would you have rather it stayed up or would you, you're okay with it being demolished? I'd rather it stay up because they could have taken the jury to the house and you would be able to hear, you know, some testimonial probably conversations. You know, maybe they can have somebody upstairs scream or say help or something. And you'd be able to see what Dylan was hearing if she was awake at that time. Right. What about you, Jaime? What are your thoughts and your opinions on the fact that they're going to be demolishing the house uh, in a couple of weeks? You're muted, my man. You're still muted. There you go. Yep. Oh, I think you you muted me on on Skype. No, nah, no, nah, I didn't. I tried muting you on, on StreamYard, and then I realized it was pointless. <laughs> I think yeah, no, I think it's a horrible idea. Um, by the looks of it, I think, I kind of fear that if they're going to demolish it, it's going to, they're thinking that this trial might be longer than anticipated. You know? Yeah. Um, I think it's, I think they should wait until the end of the trial, I'll tell you that, but like, like Blue said, that you could take the drawers out there so they can see firsthand the house itself. Um, I know some of the stuff was taken out, some of the floorboards and stuff like that, but I don't think that should be a problem, you know, for jurors to be in there. Yeah. You know, for me, I think also it's a mistake. One of the things that I would like to, or would like the the jury to see is if Brian Koberger was in fact out there, those 12 different occasions, and um, he was nearby and what he was doing was stalking the house or watching the house. You know, I want the jurors to stand in those locations so that they can see what advantage Koberger would have had from that direction. Now, I know a lot of people are going to say, yo, 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 Daniel, there's a 27 mile radius on those pings. You know, you're not going to be able to tell that he stood in this one location or that location. And my response to that is, you know, right now, that's what we knew up until the point of his arrest. 
right? Because they had the PCA. When they arrested him, all they were able to do was get his um, his his pings location, his historical data, right? After his arrest, they were able to get his GPS locations from his phone. So what we know is that if his phone was pinging to a tower during those 12 occasions that they are accusing him of stalking, you know, that house, then that means his phone is on. And his phone is on means that those apps like your Facebook, your 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 Instasnap, all those other things are going to end up also um, tracking your location. Now, now that they have him under, in custody, guess what happens? Warren out, look at his GPS locations, and they're going to know down to a couple of feet where exactly he was at that night. And I would write, I would want the jury to stand in that location and see what they see. You know, can you see inside the house? Can you see inside of one of the rooms? You get what I'm saying? You're all right there? I don't know, man. I hear some noises coming from my apartment. I'm by myself, so I don't know. That's kind of weird. Well, as long as it's not a baby crying or laughing, you'll be all right. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's that's one thing. Second, yeah, I want to be, I would prefer if it would be safe, right, for the jury to walk through the house. Now, one of the things that they're going to have to do is walk up the steps. Now, I honestly assume that each one of those steps were taken down, all right, because they probably took every one of those baseboards, every one of those stair steps down and tested it for DNA, did everything possible, right? So there, there, there might be a, a situation where they can't even get up there safely, you know, or to the point where the court would be comfortable allowing the jury to come up to the second floor. But I, I do think that there are some advantages of keeping the house up, and I, for one, would prefer it to be up as well. Let's see. Yeah, totally agree. I think, um, like, even when it comes down, remember I was telling you about the number one calls? They can use GPS to... Um, yeah, no, I was I was totally dying. Um, to pinpoint where you're at. Um, yeah. Speaking of that, like, well, a couple of like last week actually at work, I was at work and um, I was watching uh, uh, a TikTok and I don't know what happened, but my my phone started glitching, right? And I couldn't, it went, it completely froze. So I just started like tapping on it, right? Well, I ended up calling nine one one, right? I ended up calling nine one one. When I was tapping on it, and I could hear the person or the 911 operator talking, mm-hmm. they couldn't hear me. I could hear them. And lo and behold, later on, the uh, sheriff gets there in my work to ask me about it. Like, and I was like, oh, well, my, my phone was, you know, was in the fritz. And I was just tapping on the phone on the screen and then I'll call the emergency call. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. No. It, 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 and the thing is, those, that triangulation, yeah, you know, in the 90s, it was probably 27-mile radius accuracy. But, you know, in today's world, that's not the case. And although it's not as accurate as GPS locations, it's it's good enough to get you a warrant for those GPS locations. Oh, so, oh hold on. Uh, Glenna uh, says that long after the arrest, GPS, AT said no connection to the victims. I mean, if he's parked outside in the a parking lot next door, you know, obviously or even if it's the parking lot behind the house, 
they're not going to claim that that's a connection. They're going to say, oh, you know, it's just parked back there because, you know, that's where he likes to park for whatever reason. I mean, he likes to drive around by himself. He hasn't told us those answers either. Right now, you know, another piece of evidence that we're going to find just real quick before we get onto the statement um, is we're going to know why Brian Koberger turned his phone off or why it wasn't connected to the network. Let me reframe that. You know, right now or up until the PCA, all they knew was that his phone was not connected to the tower. Right. That was that's all they knew. After his arrest and they got his phone, they're going to forensically have downloaded. They would have forensically downloaded the phone and they're going to know why it was off, whether it was manually turned off, whether it lost connection to the network or whatever, whether the battery died. All of those things are saved on its internal storage. Right. So they're going to know the answer to those things. So we can all say, hey, he could have done this. He could have done that. But by the time we get to trial, we're going to know the answers to those things one way or another. And the only person that's going to be able to answer to those things, like let's just say his phone does, it was manually turned off by him, right? It was manually turned off by him. Who can, who can answer that question as to why? Don't jump on all at one time, but it's only going to be Brian Koberger. And... <laughs> I'm trying, man. I'm trying. <laughs> it's trying to get the Skype to unlock by clicking the button a few times. Gotcha. I, know you, I was drinking a soda when you asked me that. <laughs> but yeah, it's <laughs> it's going to be Brian Koberger, right? Now, if, if Brian Koberger takes the stand because, you know, the prosecution is going to say, hey, he manually turned this phone off during this specific time during the murders. That's suspicious. He turned it off because he was con con conducting the murders at that time. You know, they can't, you know, Brian Cobra's defense team, you know, his attorney is not going to say, all right, I want the prosecuting attorney on the, on the stand and say, is it possible that, you know, this, that, and the third? No, the only way they're going to be able to come out with the answers if Brian Koberger goes up there and, and answers as to why, you know, his phone was turned off. And if he goes up there and takes the stand, they're not going to just ask him that question. He's opened up to a, a fury of questions, right? Yeah. Now, the only thing he's, what's the only thing he can do to protect himself? Plead, uh, plead the well, fifth. Yeah, yeah. Like, not say anything, or unless, uh, the, the thing is, like, I was thinking about it. It's like, when it comes down to the, you know, the location, the GPS locations on there, yeah. like, they can actually check the history, right? Like so far back, like maybe a month back, let's just say. Mm -hmm. And you know, they should check. I mean, I don't know if they did or not, but I was if I was them, I would check if there was uh like like if he was doing that before the murders, you know, like if it was actually that the phone was getting turned off around the same time or in the same areas and then coming back on after he you know left the area. Yeah, they 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 took his um, historical locations back to where um, back to when he moved to the area. And so that's how they got. They know that he was in that area 12 different times. Right. So he had to have had his phone on during that time for, for them to have known that. Um, but, yeah, they were able to go back and they've already gone back to that. Um, 
I'm interested to know how close he was on those two, 12 different occasions. In my opinion, it's got to be close because, you know, if it was pretty far away, if it was at the mall, if it was at the convenience store, if it was three, three blocks down the street at, at, at his buddy's pal's house, don't you think that there'd be some sort of motion to remove, you know, that or, or you, I mean, you look at what they have come up with, you know, they've already put in motions, you know, there's no DNA in his car. There's no, um, you know, they found two unidentified DNAs in the house. They got super specific about the third one saying it was inside the glove and the outside of the house. And the reason being is it, it brings up more of the, uh, I guess, mystery like, Oh, there's a, there's a glove outside, but why weren't they super specific with the DNA on the inside? If it was helpful to their client, why not say where it was? Right. Because it's probably not helpful to their client. What do you got? Well, I think the reason why they, they said the glove was outside also, so they wouldn't suspect it was his inside the house or like second person with him inside. Well, I mean, it, it could be, but it also could be that they're thinking that the actual killer you know, fled and threw the glove outside. Right. So, you know, if there was something that put him somewhere else, I think in my opinion, we'd already hear it. You know, what defense are we hearing though? We're hearing 1880 law to try to get him off for some grand jury, um, trying to change what it takes for a grand jury indictment. Right. The, they wanted reasonable doubt, which doesn't, it's not what it is. And then, you know, they're hoping that somehow some piece of evidence that they're not using against Brian Koberger um, throws out other evidence or, or I don't even know what, because it's not going to do anything to it. Um, so, you know, their defense isn't one, in my opinion, that that screams an innocence defense. I mean, when it comes to the IgG, what is his defense there? Innocent wise, it's that police focused in on him. And they didn't look at all the other Koberger relatives who were possibly in the area, basically saying that they didn't investigate his family members. Well, we know that the trash pool was done legally. There's nothing anybody can do about that. That's a legal pool. So we know that the DNA was to the father. Right. So um, with that being said, we know that it has to be Brian Koberger or one of his brothers. And to our knowledge, Brian Koberger doesn't have a brother. And then his DNA or matched on the sheet. So, what's that happening? Yeah, that, or does he? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what they're hoping for. They're hoping that they found one. I, I heard, I, well, from what I heard, I heard Brian's um, brother's name is Jeff. I'm not sure if that's true or not. My name is Jeff. It could be. It could be. I'm not sure. Speaking of Jeff, if you're in the if you're in the building, buddy, um, I sent you an email. I, I need you to go look at that. Let's see. Marie says, I love and catch you. I love when I catch you guys live. Great hosts, great mods, and great content. Appreciate that. I want to say thank you to Canadian um, True Crime Buff for gifting five memberships. We appreciate you. AT would have not passed up her big chance to say if there was other DNA closer than inside the house, like she said in court. Yeah. I mean, you know, they said that it was in the area where two of the bodies were found. That that's that's very vague. That's 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 like on the other side of the room. Right. You know, but you can't say the other side of the room because that, that, you know, that would tell people that it's not really related, especially when you know that there was 150 people there, you know, the night before. And that there's been a lot of parties there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, 
All right. So with that being said, let's get into this statement real quick. I'm just going to read it out. Um, Christy told me that this, this statement was prepared by uh, their lawyer, Shannon. And the statement says, in statement on behalf of the Goncalves family, uh, let us ask this. Isn't it better to have the King Road house and not need it than, uh, than need the house and not have it? That has been our question to the prosecution and to the University of Idaho for the entire time. The demo of the King Road has been an issue. But why is it even up for discussion? This is one of the most horrific crimes in the history of Idaho and the University of Idaho wants to destroy one of the most critical pieces of evidence in the case. And it is also important to make note there is now a demolition date before there is even a trial date set. That alone speaks volumes. It is obvious uh, from two recent visits to my house, both by the prosecution and the defense, that there is still evidentiary value in having crime. There has always been a dialogue up there. There's always been a dialogue about their 3D imaging, or they are building a model to replicate the home first, uh, et cetera. First and foremost, what a waste of state money, resources. And secondly, nothing replaces the real thing. Jurors are notoriously unpredictable, and they tend to make decisions on a variety of facts and circumstances. It would be foolish to us to try and foresee what they will want or need to make or just to make a just verdict in this case. The family is stressed tirelessly to the prosecution. Let me read that again. The family has stressed tirelessly to the prosecution and to the University of Idaho of the importance, evidentiary and emotionally, that the King Road House carries, but nobody seems to care enough. It's like screaming into a void. Nobody is listening and everyone tells you how sorry they are for you, for the decision that the family's opinion isn't a priority. Victims' families have a voice and should be heard and listened to. End of the statement. I'll start off with you, Jaime. Uh, what, what do you think about the statement? you agree, disagree? What are your thoughts? No, I totally agree. Uh, I know where she's coming from. I mean, like she said, or how the, the family said, is that one of the biggest pieces of evidence that they could use and show the the jurors, you know, a walkthrough. And, mm. you know, some of the jurors, you know, have, you know, a conscience and feelings, and they can kind of feel and hear and see exactly what happened throughout that night. You know, I walked through with the with the prosecutor yeah <clears throat> and it's it's just sad to hear that even though all those um requests were made by the family by the victim's family they're not taking that in consideration to to hold the to keep the the place you know there before demolishing it you know or at least until after the trial that's sad that they're not making that the the state is not making the effort yeah i i agree i mean they're I think what they're saying is extremely correct when it comes to the jurors being notoriously unpredictable and making decisions on a couple of reasons. You know, emotional decisions are, are are pretty key. In fact, you know, in sales, you're taught that every decision that a person makes is emotional. You know, you know, the emotion could be um, that they trust what you're saying. 
It could be that they trust the numbers, you know, and it makes them feel good. You know, if they're an analytical type of person, things like that. So you're going to take a big portion of the emotion out of this case by not allowing the jurors to go out there and actually uh, get into the area, see the area. You know, like and like I said, see what you can see from where he was at. What are your thoughts, Big Blue? Yeah, my thoughts are still with they should stay up to the trial date. But mm-hmm. as we all know, there's no shortcoming of what when day it's gonna be. I've seen cases here locally be tried three or four years after the incident. Yeah. You know, so and they're spending a lot of money on security. Um, so I think they're kind of have their backs against the wall. They're going to probably do it more for funding. They're going to have to tear it down better for them to build a memorial. Because I've already seen on some of the forum, people are saying like, hey, when it gets torn down, can somebody go get the you know, the address numbers off the house. They want memorabilia of the house. Yeah, They're already talking about it. That's you know, horrible. So imagine if the case goes on longer and security gets down. What the damage you're going to do to it anyways. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I believe the state... The governor gave X amount of money uh, to this to the state or allow X amount of money or funding uh, to complete this case. You know, maybe perhaps they should just kind of fund somebody to be out there. Uh, They're going to have to build a 3D model anyways. They're going to be building, you know, this 3D model. Uh, I don't know where they're going to put it at. You know, they're going to have to rent land or buy property or whatever the case may be to put this model somewhere. You know, and, and it's not going to be the same unless they knock the house down and then put a model up in its place. Would you guys be all right with that scenario if they knock the house down and then put an exact model up, you know, including maybe even the uh, replica furniture? I mean, I think that'd be a good idea. They could just take the furniture from the house. I mean, it have to be replica. Um, and they don't even have to do the whole house. I've seen some court cases where they do build something in like a warehouse. Yeah. And they just have like the layout of the bedroom, the hallway, the kitchen. But this one's going to be a little bit different because they're going to have to build the stairs to the third floor. Yeah. What are your, what are your thoughts, Jaime? Nah, man. Even though they build replica, it's not going to be the same. Um all the materials used, it's not going to be the same materials used for the replica. You might as well just keep the, the house itself. Um, it's like it's like if I was trying to tell you a story here at my house, right? Oh, I, I was here in my room looking towards my 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 son's bedroom. And you can kind of picture it, but, like, you don't see exactly what I'm trying to tell you, you know? And if you take the drawers there and point exactly, this is what happened. And this is what happened. They don't have to be, you know, imagining what they're they're saying. You know, they can actually see where where it's at. You can actually hear what was going on from the second floor to the bottom floor or to the third floor. You know, what I mean, it just 
it wouldn't it would have worked. You might as well just keep the house itself. Yeah, I agree. I think they should keep the house. You know, this isn't this is this doesn't look good. You know, optically, in my opinion, you know, you're looking at the situation from the outside. And it appears that the university is just trying to, you know, um, kind of put some makeup over a black eye, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? Like kind of cover it up so that way it doesn't affect, you know, any future income, you know, by not having, um, you know, students attend their college possibly. Even though I think that I thought I read somewhere that the University of Idaho's um, students went up. After, I think after his arrest, after Brian Koberger's arrest for this up this past fall, I think it was higher than it was the year before. So, I I don't know. I don't know how true that is. I, I read that somewhere. Let me know. I know you guys will if I'm wrong. <laughs> In the live yeah. chat, for uh, sure attends. Um. So, I don't know, man. I, I I think they should keep it up. You know, at least wait until you get a trial date. I mean, I, I kind of understand it if they, if they get a trial date and they said, all right, this is going to be tried in the summer of 2025 or something crazy like that. Then, all right, I, I get it. You know, that's, that's a whole nother year, but at least, at least wait until, you know, there's a trial date. Mm-hmm. Unless you think that there's not one coming up anytime soon. You know, do you think that the, uh, they would know that? I don't know, or or if there's a uh, plea being handled right now, well, that's true too. Yeah, um, you, I, I understand. I understand. You know, when it comes down to like, oh, it's a reminder of what happened at this place, you know, but like the families of the victims do not want the house taken down. That should tell you that it ain't about that, you know. Yeah. 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 Well, I think it was costing them somewhere in the net worth of. 100k a year or more for security i mean that's not that's not a lot when you think about it that's like you know two extra students signing tuition there right yeah (laughs) you know what i'm saying pencils right so i mean it's you know their their attendance or their um the amount of students that are now attending there has gone up so so is their income you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I just think it should be up. It's, it's, it, it looks really bad. In my opinion, it, it makes the, you know, the university look bad. Um, it makes, in my opinion, uh, the prosecution, I don't know if it makes them look bad, but the prosecution's okay with knocking it down. What do you think that, how does, how does, how does that make you think the prosecution looks? We'll start off with you, big blues. I see Jaime's struggling real quick. No, no problem. I think the prosecution, um, <laughs> they have a sense of what they, <laughs> um, well, maybe there's other ways to try to show the jury the sound effects in that house. They might have some, and even not the same, they have recordings. Uh, they might have, you know, when the FBI went in to do their specs, I mean, they, they might have had some recordings of somebody yelling, screaming, and they can play it back to the people. It's not the same, though, but I... Yeah, it, it uh, really ain't. What do you, what do you think, Hyman? 
don't know, man. I just kind of feel like they have they're confident in what they have, like, and as evidence, and probably the three D rendering too. You know, yeah. And now they feel so confident that they're letting they get demolished right on the twenty eighth. Is it? Yeah, twenty eighth of December. Yeah, so I, I think that's what it is. I think they just feel confident that they have enough evidence. I think they have enough of the renderings, 3D models, and everything like that to to show the jurors exactly what's going on and, you know, walk, walk them through the whole incident. Yeah. Though I still think it's, it's, still, it's a bad choice, but, I mean, I think that's what they – that's how confident they are. Yeah, that's where I'm thinking, too, is, like, maybe perhaps it's a show of confidence. Like, um, you know, he's he's – they got him dead to rights, right? You know, let, let's kind of let's kind of pour through what what they what we think they know and what they do know, right? So they 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 know that his DNA was found underneath the body of the victim, and you know I think that evidence is going to end up staying, right? I don't see that evidence going anywhere. I know a lot of people are saying, oh, you know what, uh, you know somehow some way, Ann Taylor's going to get it thrown out. The, the IgG comes after with the, the IgG is used or, or is created with, by an SNP profile. The SNP profile comes after the STR profile. In fact, the SNP profile needs the STR profile uh, to be created. Right. So. Um, I've never received a briefing that was better than being at the scene. True story, true crime web. That is 100 percent. That is 100 percent. Um, what was I saying, Blue? I know you were paying attention. I mean, was it about the DNA being created with SNP file? Oh, yeah, thank you, thank you. So, you know, because of that, that's not part of the fruit of the poisonous tree. The fruit of the poisonous tree comes with what's connected to it. It has to happen first. So, if the STR profile was somehow, you know, corrupted or or thrown out, then the SNP profile would be thrown out. Because the SMP profile came after the fact. You know what I'm saying? We got a. Um... That one's Hymas. Um, yeah, just a little preview of what we're doing. Typically, what we're going to be doing on Friday nights, we're going to be taking calls uh, that's not related to the uh, you know true crime. Uh, but since there's some news in the Brian Koberger case, we're bringing it up today. So. Micro Kimmy comes in with a 999 super chat. I really feel like there's a movement in this case behind the scenes. It's no coincidence that the judge got the IgG and this happened. I agree with Jaime. They're confident in this in the evidence that they have. I agree. I agree. You know, what are some of the things that the Probergers uh, say as far as reasonable doubt when it comes to Brian Koberg with the evidence that's there? You know, they they talk about well, let's talk about it first. The car, the white car seen in the area that looks like Brian Koberger's. There's 22,000 of those in the area. You know, it could have been anybody's car. What do you Some, think? The, yeah, there's a sunroof, which there ain't. What do you think that there's possibly that they, they may have that could prove that that this was, in fact, indeed Brian Koberger? On that aspect. No, no, that it was like like for instance, if if we well, let, let me give you an example. So right now the the 
the excuse for the the pings, right, is that they're not accurate. The locations are have a 27 mile accuracy, yada, yada, yada. But we know that that guy mentioned earlier that that means his phone is on. And if, you know, he had agreed, you know, for certain apps to have his locations, then law enforcement is going to know exactly where he's at. So that's going to show and prove, you know, that it was possibly him. What do you think law enforcement could have when it comes to the car that we don't know about yet that they could have had after the fact? You know, I'm not really sure, but I know, like, to make it to... Wait, what? To What? I just read this comment. I want some Julio's chips. Oh. Yeah. Um, I think to prove the fact that the pings are accurate, they could just... Obviously, when he got stopped for tailgating, they could just look that up too, right? Yeah, yeah. They they, they can prove that it's it's pretty accurate based on a couple of things on... So, that one and then i guess there was um they say it in the pca like mm-hmm. when he's he goes and gets a cup of coffee uh, the day of the murders um uh, yeah. or the day that the bodies are discovered he goes and gets a cup of coffee at a place called kate's cup of coffee or something like that down in near washington or or down south right and um what he ends up what ends up happening is he his his phone pings him there and they're able to corroborate his location with um, the camera, uh, the surveillance putting him there at that location. When, but when it comes to the car, I mean, the only thing they could tell him that was his was just uh, what does it? Well, that it wasn't you. You couldn't even tell if it was him or not. But I'm saying, like the car itself, the only identifying thing that had it was a missing license plate, front license plate. Mm-hmm. Um, I went, I went back and checked the other, um, the stops that he got, the, the traffic stops that he did, that they got on them, yeah. and I checked to see if I could find any other, um, maybe like a dent or a scratch or anything close to the door because that's where you can see a little bit more, right? But mm-hmm. I couldn't see anything else. I mean, and plus, like we still don't know what other videos or pictures or anything else that they have in evidence. We're just talking about. You know, the car that we saw on the, you know, the, the shoulders, you know. Yeah. And we're going after that. But other than that, like, I don't know how they would um, prove that that was actual his car besides the phone pings, you know. Right, right. What What do you think, Blue? What, what evidence do you think that they could have that would indicate that that was his car out there? That would be more solid. Oh, simple. We don't have all the evidence of the camera footage and the photos of the surveillance around the town. All they need to do is compare if they see a white car traveling down the street to the times that his phone turned back on. And if they have enough camera footage and footages to retrace it back where it came from, there you go. Yeah, but that only proves that he was south of Moscow at um at 448 and that he was at Pullman at two something. You know, for me, what it means is when you read the PCA, it says from numerous amounts of footage, right? We only know of a little bit of footage that they um utilize that they well let me reframe that. We only know a little bit of uti- of footage that they utilize in the probable cause affidavit. It starts off at 326 where he's on Indian Hills um drive, right behind the police station. 
that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the first time they saw him, right? And or that doesn't necessarily mean that later on, after reviewing more cameras, that they didn't find him later. So one thing that they could possibly have is they could have him leaving, you know, Pullman going one direction and then coming into Moscow at another time. And if they can follow that car around, you know, the the biggest thing is going to be like, all right, what are the chances that another white Elantra gets on that one road that leads directly to Pullman? It doesn't have a front license plate. It gets to Moscow and his car never shows up. And then, then it's found later, you know, south of Moscow. I think that's going to be hard to explain if they have something like that. Yeah, but this is a good theory, too. Because he is part of a apartment. Um, most apartments require your tags or your sticker on your window. And That's if true. they can see it off of cameras or reflections, it can prove more that it's his car. That's true. That is true. All right. So what, what else is said about the Brian Cobra case? The DNA. The DNA, that's one of the biggest things. Uh, but before we get into the DNA thing, I mean, you had wanted to talk about something. Um, we spoke about this before the show. Uh, I want to give you the mic and the and the time to to do so. Oh damn! I didn't know I was I was gonna get a whole segment. I wasn't really looking for a segment. I thought we we're just gonna talk about the phone pings a little bit, and I think we already had that. But I mean, even when um, you know, like they were saying that he supposedly was using gloves um to throw out trash and clean the car and all that, right? Yeah. Like, and everybody was saying, oh, you know, maybe he's a germaphobe or, you know, he doesn't want to touch stuff, especially because of COVID or whatever, right? Yeah. So I wonder if, like, in the surveillance footage of the, of the, what's it called, that coffee place? Yeah. Was he wearing gloves? I don't know. I think you, I think there was rumored. I'm not sure if I read this or it was rumored or if it was a source that came out, but the uh, video that or surveillance, they have him at Albertson's that he's wearing latex gloves. Um, but I'm not sure to be honest with you, but I think he was wearing them everywhere, including, you know, when he was arrested and, and Gail brings up a great point. You know, there could be uh, tire marks there. The where? Oh, at the so scene. Seen- yeah. That could match back up to his. Okay. Yeah, that exactly. Like they can, you can use that too. But like, wasn't like snowing at the same time, or there was snow still out? Um, in certain areas, there was snow. Like, you know, I know a lot of people look at the Banfield image and or, or video and say, "Look, there's no snow because we don't see any on the ground." And what they failed to recognize is that that's that part of the field or that part of the area is exposed to the sun. And um, and during the daytime is going to melt. Now, back there where, you know, behind the house, there's a bunch of trees and it's also inclined. And so in those type of um, scenery or th- that type of scene, the sun doesn't directly hit it all the time. So you have this snow area back there. So some of the parts had snow. Some of the parts didn't. Uh, it just kind of depends on where you were at. I think the front of the house had less than the back. <laughs> hope you're all right my man i mean my throat man it feels weird yeah um but yeah that that was that's what i was gonna ask if they can actually see the uh if he had 
gloves and at the store and at the coffee place because then it would just look weird to use them a certain uh or not use them during one of those um purchases yeah. or visits to one of the stores you know what I mean? yeah and i mean if his sister did say something about it um mm-hmm. you know right now everybody's deal is ah oh, we don't know for sure you know it was a source we're gonna find out in court you know if that's true or not and the other thing that i haven't heard anything of is his characteristics in class did he wear the gloves in class and class too uh maybe i mean i don't know that's a good question i might have to ask one of the uh phd students uh that we uh we may know uh, see if that was an indicator uh, that was a situation <clears throat> But the other thing is that we're talking about, and we'll be taking calls here in a little bit, y'all, was the DNA underneath the body of the victims. You know, there's a lot of excuses out there as to why it was there and how it got there. You know, a lot of people are saying that, um, you know, he could have touched something, somebody could have touched something else. But the thing is, it's it's single source DNA. And I find it weird that his DNA is there, but not the DNA of anybody else. What what are y'all's thoughts? It has to be direct contact, right? Um, I don't know if it has to be direct contact, but if it's inside the button, like, yeah, how does it get in there? I don't know. Like, like, like if it wasn't his, if it was transferred in there, you know, if we had a button, does anybody have a button here? Like a snap. Yeah, we hear All right. So it was inside. You gotta go like the, this, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, Over here. yeah. I don't I don't understand where the um where where they would how would we get in there? Oh, I'm gonna move you right here. Hi, show that button real quick. All right, so it was inside there. Like how does it get inside the snap of the button? You get what I'm saying? Like, now I know that when you buy a brand new one, and it was said on the show last time, they they can be kind of hard to snap in and snap out, right? So I would assume yeah. somebody getting getting the um, getting that knife for the first time is going to be snapping it in, snapping it out. But I, I just find it weird that it's his DNA on the inside of that, right? It's not anybody else's. I mean, it'd be one thing if it was somebody else's DNA in there, too. I, I would be more inclined to say, all right, you know, he may have shook hands with this guy and, and that's how it got in there. But, yeah, but it, that's the location of it's crazy. And it was Koberger wearing gloves, not like, it, you know, you would assume it'd be the other guy's DNA that was in there if that was the case, because Koberger was known to wear gloves. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I think that's going to be a problem. You know, I know a lot of people can say, you know, touch DNA, this and that, but the defense is, and have to come up with a, a reasonable solution as to how it got in there that proves reasonable doubt, right? Because like, even with any other knife, see, you still have to press something to release it. Yeah. Yeah. What yeah, kind of knife is that, boo? That, that looked kind of crazy. It's a curved uh, electrician knife. Is that made out of uh, rhino? No, it's all aluminum. Oh, okay. I like that. Can you, can you show that on here? <laughs> <laughs> I 
Well, we'll uh, see later on if it's restricted. It's a nice right. plane. Nah, it's actually pretty With cool, a nice man. curved edge. Yeah, it's actually pretty cool. Yeah, nothing legal about that, um, except for the person holding it. <laughs> yeah, um, mine's, mine's not that big. Mine's just a... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice, nice. <laughs> Everybody got knives here ready to fight. I'm over here with a with a stylus pen. <laughs> I got I got, got a couple actually going with a And but, I was looking for my hopefully they're not in Brian Koberger's position. Right. My elk carving knife. That one's somewhere around here. So but yeah, I, I just think that at the end of the day, there's a lot of things that we don't know about that they know about. Right. They have all the details on um on his on his what he was up to, you know, the WSU stuff, the problems he was having. Yeah, those are going to come out if they if they happen. I know a lot right now. A lot of people are saying, "Oh, we don't know if it happened. We don't know if it happened." But we're going to find out if it did. It's going to come yeah, to light. They're real bad. Yeah, they're going to testify. We're going to find out, you know, what he was up to leading up to his arrest. We're going to find out the problems that he had. We're going to find out who he had problems with. And if it comes out to light that he was having problems with women, how's that going to make him look? No bueno, no bueno. Yeah, I don't think there's uh, that's a good look on him. And so, you know, that's going to come to light. His his work history is going to come to light. They're going to look at every job that he got fired from or was forced to resign. You know, that might be uh, theory or whatever the case may be now, right? But that doesn't mean that we're not going to eventually find out about those things. And so, you know, we're going to hear those things. We're going to know that we're going to know the reason why he was forced to resign at his, at, at, at his security job. You know, did it have to do with issues following or stalking women? This seems to be a characteristic that's following him. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then that's the case of bring that out. It's, it's going to not look good at all. It's not going to work in his favor. I'll tell you that. No, not at all. You know what I mean? And so like, I, I know a lot of people right now because there's no evidence that's we don't oh, let me rephrase that because we don't know all the evidence, you know, are holding on to this bit of hope that it's not going to come to light. And I mean, you can hope on to that. But I think it's going to be kind of true. I think everything's going to come out being very factual. You know what I mean? It, it, you look at his defense. It's hard. It's not an innocent man's defense. I'll tell you that. You know what I mean? Like I said, if it was me, this is the beginning. I, I was for sure no involvement. I've been screaming it to the slums. Yeah. I mean, him, him talking or not really isn't an indication of, of guilt or anything. I, I don't think, you know, because whether whether I did something or not, the the smartest thing to do is not to talk. Regardless of anything, you know, get a lawyer. That's, that's always what they tell you. So, uh, you know, he was in criminal justice. He probably understands that. So I don't I don't think that that is a, a sign of guilt. You know, I don't think him uh, not saying or not guilty, you know, him standing silent was a sign of guilt or any of those things. I, you know, I, I don't think so. Once we got an answer as to why they did it, you know, they were um, him and his defense team were trying to. Uh, basically, basically, they were um, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Protesting the, the, the verdict for the grand jury or whatever. I'm not the verdict. They were protesting the grand jury. They, they thought that if he pled that that was agreeing that the grand jury was done correctly. And so, you know, I get it. I don't, I don't think that those are reasons why he's guilty. I think the evidence that there is against him says that well, he's probably did it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Even from the beginning, we're, we're in that um, same situation where we, we didn't know if it was him or someone else. But as soon as a little bit of the facts came out and the evidence came out and started pointing towards him, then it's like, oh, he might not be so innocent as we thought. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, there might be reasons why they're prolonging this case so much, you know, in hopes that maybe perhaps they put out so much um, fake reasonable doubt out there, you know, utilizing um, certain avenues to put out misinformation, maybe, perhaps. And um, and from there, they're hoping that it creates enough of a stir publicly that the um, prosecution might want to take a plea, you know, or make a plea. You know what I'm saying? Because maybe perhaps he's feeling that, you know, if this goes to court, given the evidence they have against him, I mean, that might be the strategy here is that to, to do that. The only thing will, Go ahead. I said the only thing he can plead for is life. That's it. Yeah. I mean, in my opinion, yeah, because yeah. right now they put the death penalty on the on the board. Yeah, know. exactly. Only way. Hey, how, how would you guys feel if he ended up playing out? And we got no answers to anything. What do you think that would do uh, to the case, or to uh, what people think? I, I don't. I don't know. Everybody doesn't. For me. I think it. It's more you know the victims' families that need all the answers. You know. Right. Right. But like I mean, they're the they're gonna if they he pleads out they don't hear anything about the situation they just yeah, that's kind of brutal. You know, even even though like hearing whatever happened is brutal itself. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, I think sometimes families need that closure. You know. Or, or even if you, if all we got was just he played guilt, uh, he he uh, pled out, he admitted that he was guilty, and and that was the end of it. Like, I think that, you know, without the um, BTK style, you know, hearing that went on as to what happened, why it happened and when it happened, you know, and, and we would never have seen the, the evidence. Right. I, I don't know if we could, I mean, I'm guessing you can get a freedom of information and get all the evidence. I, I'm not sure. I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know how that stuff works, but um, you know, I, I think you would probably not see majority of the evidence against them. And I think that that would allow for, for conspiracies to continue. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. isn't part of a plea deal is to confess and tell how, why, et cetera. Not always. It's just to confess at the end of the I day. Mean, that's all they need. Right. I mean, even if they confess it could be something different, you know? Yeah. I yeah. mean, like, I mean, in BTK's, uh, BTK case, um, uh, he went through detail of every single you know, crime he did. Yeah. Do we know that's almost every single little thing he said was true for the most part? Yeah. But I'm sure there's different things he kind of kept for himself, you know? Yeah. Oh, there's a lot that he kept to himself. They found 
you know, when it comes to BTK, they found drawings and of other victims that, you know, he's got a lot of victims that we don't know about. Yeah, true, true. And, and the reason he doesn't want to talk about some of them is speculated because in those states, those are death penalty states. And, and I believe what he's in Kansas is where he committed majority of his crimes, if not all of them that he's been um, found or convicted for it is not. So it's interesting. Interesting. You guys ready to open the phone lines up for a little bit? Do it. You're not going to be in Kansas no more, Dorothy. <laughs> oh, Big Blue, you're so funny. <laughs> Wrong one. All right, let's get everybody on. So 210-209-9435. We're going to be taking one call at a time. So while somebody is talking, I will not be answering another call or any of those things. It kind of messes with the audio. So it'll be one call at a time. Uh, give us a call if you're interested in um, having your theories, thoughts heard. Or if you want to talk about something in particular with the case, we'll give you at least three minutes um, to talk. And then um, if you go over the three minutes, we'll be kicking you guys out. We have our first caller coming in, 270. 270, you're on the line. How's it going? Great. How are you? I'm doing all right. Not too bad. Who are we talking to? My name is Renee. Nice to meet you, Renee. Uh, um, what are your thoughts and theories on, on everything? Hi, Renee. Hi. Um, well, I was going to say that... Hold on. I'm going to mute the TV because so it doesn't echo. Um, I, I have a thought about how they met. Okay. Or how he came in contact with them. And I know the Mad Greek came out and said that he never had eaten there. Mm -hmm. uh, but... That doesn't cover if he did takeout. And That's so true. if he's like, I don't know if you, I mean, I'm sure you, you're a grown man and you know, there's always some people that you just can't be super nice to because they think you like them. Do you know right. what I mean? You have to be guarded a little bit. And I feel like with his lack of experience with dating and things, if Maddie was just her normal, happy self, he could have taken that as flirting and that she liked him. You, do you know what I mean? And so he could have, in his mind, created a whole relationship because that's what they do sometimes. And yeah. so I think it could have started from there. But I'm, I don't, does this sound crazy? No, not at all. I mean, I, I think that's possible um, that he met them there. I'm not sure if he, you know, did the, you know, um, fake uh, relationship in his mind or not. But it is quite possible that that happened and also that he met them there uh, at one point. Um, you know, he, he was a vegan. If you you put know, he in... was in a town and he didn't know anybody. He was there by himself. And so if he goes to pick it up one night and she's nice and he's like, oh, I'm going to do that again. And then she goes and then she, do you know what I mean? Like it could just become a pattern and he could have, I mean, he had nothing else to do. He didn't know anyone there. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It makes the most sense if he if he picks somebody out by visually seeing them in person. Uh, reason being is if right. he tried to pick out somebody from the interwebs, there's going to be a trace of that. You know, him being on their Ooh, profile, yeah. right. him looking at their profile, things like that, that, that could lead back to him. Yeah. And so you would want to yeah. do it in a way where you have burner devices, fake accounts. 
and you would probably not yeah. want it to be connected to your Wi-Fi. So you'd have to go to a different location uh, when you did your stocking and your preparation. So, um, yeah, that's a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you see the, the route that he took, uh, when he left, uh, the, the house, he, he, he took a hours plus drive to get back to Pullman when it could have taken him 15 minutes. And in my opinion, he did all that work just to elude, uh, the investigation because, you know, police are going to know that there's a white Elantra that are in the area and they're going to see which direction it took off. They're going to go look at the surveillance cameras entering into Pullman. And if nothing comes in within a 20, 30 minute span, it probably didn't go that direction, which is why he took a little bit over an hour to get there. But I mean, and I could see him being like, I mean, he had nothing else to do. He didn't know anyone there. He obviously lacked social skills to create friends and hang out with people. So he could have like followed them and stuff and figured out where they left and lived and then saw the people there and just kind of almost got obsessed or something. I mean, well, I don't know. I'm just saying I, I could see it happening like that, but I guess it yeah. sounds crazy when I say it out loud. Yeah, it definitely does. You guys have anything for her before we let her go? No, I totally, un- uh, no, I understand where she's, she's coming from, you know, especially because like sometimes people are nice, too nice. And they, other people take it as like they're flirting or they're interested in, in them. And mm. it cannot, right. it might not be the case, you know, and, the other person might get obsessed and, you know. Right, especially if they don't have a lot of experience in that area, which he did not, you know. He doesn't get enough, like, attention from women also would probably create that, you know, that sense of, oh, like, this person is actually interested in me because she's being nice. But right, be that. right. And then with nothing else to do to fill his time, he would just think about it more and more and fester about it and just, I don't know, I could see somebody not in the right frame of mind latch onto that yeah yeah uh, you got to think about it um maybe they were nice to him at a different vegan restaurant or the bar i mean i'm pretty sure he went to places in that town Maybe running. Well, and then the mad Greek said, made their statement that he didn't eat there, but he could have not. And that could be all about semantics. I mean, they're not being dishonest if they say he didn't eat there and he got takeout. I mean, you know, I mean, it's evasive, but it's not dishonest, I guess, you know. Yeah. Or maybe he did and they just don't want the publicity of him being there. We don't know. That could be. So, okay. Well, I'll let you all get to your next people. I just wanted to put that out there. Thank you so much. We appreciate your Thank call. You. you have a good one. You too. You. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Good caller. Good caller. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. What do you think? Let's say future. If he's found guilty, this is a, like a uh, one of those crazy questions. Uh-huh. What do you think his last meal would be if he gets the DP? Oh, geez. I don't know, man. That's a weird one. Well, first of all, vegan pizza sucks. So <laughs> I don't think he'd want that. <laughs> I don't know, man. That's a good question. Um, uh, a bubble tea? What do you think, Jaime? <laughs> like if it was mine or if it was BK's last meal? BK's last meal. BK's. Okay, because it, it cut off when he was saying that. I just heard the last part of it. 
Um, BK will probably be a uh, uh, freaking uh, lettuce with like ranch, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> you might get a little crazy and put the fake bacon. It's not real. A leather sheet. A leather sheet. Right. Pineapple. <laughs> Yeah, interesting, interesting. All right, we're gonna we're gonna take this call two one zero. You're about to be on two one zero. You're on the air. What's going on? Hey guys, it's Micro Kimmy. Hey Micro, how's, how's it going? going? We're doing well. About good, yourself. Good, good, and awesome. Um, so I wanted to um just give my thoughts as usual. Um, the I think early on I heard that it's possible that Brian met the girls or Madison and Kaylee at a pool party, the one that that Christian dude invited him to. But I don't know if that's even true. I just haven't heard it since like it all started. Mm -hmm. But um, that's possible. And I also in the PCA or in the search warrants. Oh man, I had it pulled up too. Um, but he um or pain actually here it is it's about the phone movements like uh because i had mentioned last time how i worked training tech support agents for verizon for years and and i i didn't even like make my point <laughs> i just like trailed off talking about it but um so the locations we usually like don't know locations are on well we help like let people know like your location was on for this app and this app but those locations being on that's all that metadata from all of his apps like that is traceable like down to a park bench and in the pca or the search warrants Payne asked for cellular device interactions for uh, for GPS, not pings, but GPS coordinates within 0 0.5 miles of the King Road house. So, and it's redacted. So the results for that search warrant, they found something and they redacted it. So um, I think with the house going down, it's, yeah, I'm really torn on it because I feel like I just kind of go with how Christy kind of posts her stuff. And I'm like, if she's okay with it, then other people should, you know, she's not okay with it, but she's come to terms with it. And I think that out of respect, it's kind of like, you know, people shouldn't make a huff about it too much because she's, it's hard enough for her to come to terms with it, you know? Right. Right. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they made a, um, a statement earlier, and I, and I read it earlier. I'm not sure if you caught the uh, the, the beginning part of the show. Um, and, and for those that are now catching in, in real quick, I'll I'll re I'll re say the statement real fast. Uh, the statement was prepared by their lawyer Shannon. It's a statement on behalf of the Gonzalez family. Let's ask this: Isn't it better to have the King Road house and not need it than need the house and not have it? That's been our question for the prosecution and the University of Idaho for the entire demo. For the entire time, uh, the demo of the King Road residence has been an issue. But why is it even up for discussion? This is one of the most horrific crimes in the University of Idaho. And the University of Idaho wants to destroy one of the most critical pieces of evidence in the case. It is also important to make note that there is 
Uh, now demolition date before there's even a trial date set. That alone speaks volumes. It is obvious from the two recent visits to my house, both from the prosecution and the defense, that there is still evidentiary value in having the King Road house still standing. Uh, there may be additional discovery by either party that prompts one side or the other to go back to the scene of the crime. There's always been a dialogue about their uh, the 3D imaging and or uh, they are building a model replicate the, to replicate the home. First and foremost, what a waste of state money and resources. And secondly, nothing replaces the real thing. Jurors are notoriously unpredictable and they tend to make decisions on a variety of facts and circumstances. It would be foolish for us to try and uh, foresee what they will want or need to make a just verdict in this case. The family is stressed tirelessly uh, to the prosecution and to the University of Idaho of the importance evidentiary and emotionally that the King Road house carries, but nobody seems to care. It's like screaming into a void. Nobody is listening, and everyone tells you how sorry they are for the decision, uh, but the family's option, uh, opinion, I'm sorry, the family's opinion isn't a priority. Victims' families have a voice and should be heard and listened to. So, you know, I don't know if she's coming to terms oh, I, I with know, it. I didn't hear that. I didn't catch that one. I, yeah, you're right. I didn't hear that. I, I heard the earlier statement, you know, that she, well, she posted on on the Facebook page. Right. I didn't hear that. That's, that's, that's so true though. Like I, that's where I'm torn because there's nothing like an actual jury walkthrough. Mm -hmm. You can watch 3d renderings all day long, but that walkthrough, you know, you can get the sound echoes off of this and Dylan heard it from where and like all that stuff. There's nothing like the real thing, you know? Yeah. And yeah. And I thought I didn't hear that second one. I yeah. never heard that. Yeah, this is That's this crazy. was yeah, this was sent to me by Christy. She sent it to me um directly uh, through text Aww. message. Yeah, I was I was I was talking to her a little bit earlier today when I found out about the demolition. I asked about her opinion and her thoughts. She told me that you know Shannon was gonna be preparing preparing a statement for them. And then um, you know, I'd asked her, I was like, you know, when and where are they gonna, you know, release the statement so that we can talk about it? And she sent it to me. And so um yeah, that's oh, where wow. we're at right okay. now. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm, I, I'm going to look that, I'm going to read that over again. Um, I also like, like, it, like I said, in the super chat, I agree with Jaime. I think they actually have all they need. And I believe the judge, you know, after looking through it, maybe he's like, you know what, I'm not going to intercede anymore. Do what y'all want and y'all have what you need. I don't know. I'm not a judge. I don't know how that works up there, but, um, yeah, thank you for taking my call, guys. You're welcome. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. And before you go, mm -hmm. let me say this. I am a judge of food. And you said you like Julio's chips, and those are originally <laughs> from the Rio. From, nice. I remember you know buying what? them from the owner's house. He used to have a little shed in the back of his house. And oh my God. He, used, he used to like be making them back there, and he would talk to. And my brother would talk what? for like an hour before we leave, before they oh built the God, factory. Oh, my God, that's crazy. I was buying them when there was just a tiny Julio's, like, hole in the wall um, in San Antonio. That's when I found them first. And now they're all over the stores at H-E-B and everything. So, oh, they're the best. They make the hot sauce yeah. and all that stuff so good. 
They used to send them at gas stations. They used to send them at the gas stations. And then you the pour nacho cheese on them. And then mm -hmm. uh, jalapenos and the, and the juice. Oh my God, I'm hungry. Flavor. I'm going to just eat this whole bag now. <laughs> All right. Big bag <laughs> Thanks, guys. You're welcome. Thank you. You have a good night. You too. Getting the food over here, man. <laughs> so, um, real quick, you know, there was one other thing, and I wanted to get your guys' opinion. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna merge this call six oh nine. Um, six oh nine, you just uh, got merged in, but real quick before we uh, um, we we uh, we talked to you, I wanted to get something out real fast. Um, Hi, man, Big Blue. When I was talking to Christy earlier, they uh, they explained to me of a, a situation with another creator. I haven't seen the the um, what they're talking about. You know, I, 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 they put out a Reality. statement themselves. It, I, I have an idea of who it is, but I haven't seen it. And, um, you know, apparently somebody was twisting some words from the victims. They made a big old statement about it, saying that there was a creator who was foreign, not from the United States, who was twisting words. Um, from the victims uh, to create some sort of turmoil between the victims' families or something like that. I haven't actually seen uh, the content that he put out there. I've only spoken to Christy about it. Um, what are your thoughts about that type of stuff? Not not necessarily and specifically towards that creator. Um, like I said, I haven't seen what he put out there. But when it comes mm -hmm. to like creators that uh, maybe are putting things out yeah. there, twisting some stuff, what are you, what are your thoughts? Oh man, uh, for for me, it's I've seen uh, some other channels. I'm not gonna mention them, but I've seen other channels go through that narrative. You know what I mean? Of the you know saying false information and speculating on different things about the victims, and it's just so frustrating, you know? Yeah. Just to see, kind of almost almost to the point where like it's to that point where like they're almost victim like blaming, you know? Victim yeah. and it's, it's just I can't watch those man like it, it frustrates me it angers me to hear creators or certain creators um talk about the victims in a different shit in a different light you know yeah yeah I hear you it's on really, that really yeah I know you've told us that sometimes when you're falling asleep you'll listen to a certain creator to wake you up because he pisses you off <laughs> yeah, he gets me angry, and I wake up because I'm I'm working, I'm working, and I'm like, man, I'm getting tired. Boom! I type in the this creator's um channel, and I'm right awake, pissed off, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's messed up, man. Like the victims, we should let them rest in peace. I mean, I even say sometimes we talk about it sometimes too much. You know, we should let them rest in peace, but we want justice for them. Yeah. And until that happens, we'll probably talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent. So, you know, that I just wanted to touch on it because that was a piece of conversation that we had. And I am we intend on having Christy and Steve on the show. We've talked about it. They they're going through some stuff. It's been not the, the easiest ride for them since. You know the anniversary of the passing, and you had another holiday in there. You have another holiday coming up, so we're not pressuring them to sit down and, and schedule a date. But I feel that that's probably going to come up during our conversation because that is something that they want to bring up. 
the you know the term that they use is uh, grifting and so um yeah you know yeah the, the, fam the family's been through enough man and then yeah. for him to go and see channels talk about their loved ones like you know in that kind of like mm, that's not good man it, it, they need some type of closure and the the longer this trial takes the the longer it's got you know take for them to get closure and that's yeah. that's very sad in my opinion yeah and like i said i haven't seen uh the piece of uh content that they're referring to i don't know you know what happened i don't know if there was a twisted in words or any of those things i just saw the reaction from the family and you know, to to get to grant that some that kind of reaction from victims' family, it doesn't sound like it was very good. But I, I don't know what it is. I'm not giving anybody any um, light or publicity onto who it was or what was said. I don't know. You guys can go figure that out. Um, but you now that's just our two cents on it. Six oh nine. You're 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 on the air. What's going on? What's going on, man? Hey, this is a perfect topic that I came on to. I, I my my thing is I'm wondering like why does this upset anybody? Like we're all doing the same thing. Everybody's on here speculating. They have their own personal opinions on different situations. So of course you're gonna have your grifters if you wanna call them that, but some people feel as though Brian is innocent. And I feel as though with the with the evidence that's out there. It's logical to think that he's innocent. I'm not saying that the police set him up or anything, but I'm just saying that it's logical that uh, some people will think that he's innocent. And anybody that's bashing like Dylan Mortison and all them, all right, you know, y'all can bash them or do what y'all want. But, I mean, in my situation, I would think that that does sound pretty funny to me, that, you know, it took a while for somebody to call 911. And if you went out your room multiple times and you say that you heard all this stuff like that, why do you keep peeking your head out the door if you're going to hear loud noises and people banging and you're just going to tell somebody to, yo, quiet down? Why don't you just step outside and be like, oh, you know, what's going on out here? I live in the house too. I pay rent in here too. I'm stepping outside to see what's going on. So, like, of course, I expect everybody to have their own personal opinions i don't get mad at anybody for having an opinion at all mm -hmm. i don't consider anybody a grifter unless they're trying to like like maliciously make money off this whole situation or contact steve and get him to say something or get something out of or say something out of that was out of context but other than that no i don't consider anybody a grifter because a majority of the people that's in a youtube community where we've been pretty respectful to the families and to the victims, we haven't bashed anybody. So I don't, I don't, yeah, I wouldn't no, get upset about it. I don't think it's everybody who thinks that, that Brian Koberger is innocent, that falls in line with, um, you know, the grifting or any of those things. I mean, and, and everybody does have a right to their opinion. Um, you know, that's not something that here, here and on this channel, our opinion is not so necessarily much has changed from one way or another, but it's gotten mm -hmm. closer one way or another you know early on in this invest you know in this case when this started going on um as the police were investigating it and then the arrest came out you know we were a little bit skeptical about brian koberger and his guilt as well but as the information started to come out the warrant started you know make a clear picture as far as the route that the police were going what they're looking at what mm -hmm. evidence they may have against him and then, you know, you look at the evidence that they that we do know that they have, it makes it very difficult for him not to be him. But, you know, you make valid points when it comes to Dylan Mortensen and 
and Bethany Funk. And I think that they can be questioned uh, or their, their, their actions can be questioned without, um, you know, blaming somebody without knowing everything first on their aspect, because, you know, the police have investigated them, you know, they were already under investigation and they, they, they were cleared. And so, you know, they don't necessarily need to be cleared um, by YouTubers or, or social media content creators. Um, The police law enforcement, the professionals already did. So. And now then that was where to me that, and Congaves family, I see that's the thing about the Congaves family. They speak and then like something changes along the lines and they change something else. And they contradict themselves a lot. Like in the beginning, they felt like everybody was being clear too fast. And then now everybody is perfectly fine. And then you find out that they think something else like that's That was my always my big thing about them. And then also my big thing about the channel and them was y'all said on the channel if his car came back clean that you guys was going to start to think that yo there's a strong possibility that he might be innocent but then when his car came back clean you came back and still doubled down with that he was guilty so i'm just like what is changing that what you're so strong you're so fixated on the dna the genealogy so you know answer those things first in order the first mm-hmm. one being you know the family and the and the issues that you're having with them. Um, try to put yourself in their shoes. You, you lost a daughter and in the manner that they did, I don't think you'd be thinking clearly all the time, 100% of the time. And when you're put in front of the cameras and you're put in front of people and you're frustrated because the police aren't giving you answers, you have no idea what's going on. You're going to say some things. You know, I, I think that you know, people cope in certain different ways. And when it comes to the Gonzalez family, I think one of the ways that they cope is by talking about it. And I, I wouldn't put a lot of um, weight as far as the accuracy goes when, when they're saying some things out of emotion. You know, that's the first thing. And as far as why we still think he did it, it's not just solely because, oh, you know, the 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 there's no DNA in the car. Yeah, I, I said that was going to be a huge hurdle. What I had, what happened afterwards is we had a forensic death investigator on the, uh, on the channel, um, a medical, what was her title again, man? It was pretty crazy. It was a medical something forensic death investigator. Uh, yeah. That was the one with you were going with Lana. Yeah. No, 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 no. This, she was only on our, our channel and, um, oh, she, okay. yeah, she was a legit forensic death investigator and, you know, what she was talking about and kind of explained to us as far as how a person could clean up the scene and not leave any sign as far as, you know, evidence of a cleanup. You know, first and foremost, if, if he used some sort of bleach additive, it dissipates after 24 hours. So we're not going to know about it seven weeks later. And so when I found that out, I was like, all right, that makes sense. And then, you know, she kind of explained that if you're in the know how, if you've been trained forensically, which you know, to be a Ph.D. student in um, in criminology, having gone to DeSales to get your master's degree and seeing the outline of uh, classes that he has to take, he was trained forensically mm. and he knows about forensics. So, you know, what, what's harder to believe? Let me ask you this. What's harder to believe that if we take the DNA off of the sheath, right? You know, mm-hmm. where where do you think a transfer of DNA would happen during a struggle when you're in close 
you know, connection to somebody or um, in your car after the fact when you've had seven weeks to clean it? What I have on the transfer of DNA, I really feel like I don't, oh, no, no, I don't an, think I want you to answer that. that. I want you to answer that question. What's more likely to have a transfer of DNA? Is going to be in a struggle. All right. So if there's no transfer of DNA in the struggle, right, where you most mm-hmm. likely would have seen it. Why is it so hard to believe a person who was able to keep their DNA off of a person during a struggle four times? Why is it so hard to believe that they weren't able to clean up their car or have prepared their car ahead of time? But at no point in time did they ever say he ever cleaned up his car. They tried to insinuate that he cleaned up his car in PA. That was the issue that I had. Right. No, I understand that. They but, said, they, they said the they only time he ever cleaned up his car weeks. was in PA. And they was dumping trash in somebody else's trash can. He was up at four in the morning sorting out trash, which is no body cam footage and no nothing else of that. And right. then normally when you normally bust in somebody's house, you're normally supposed to have your body cam footage on because that's standard police protocol now. So why, where is that at? Uh, so, no, 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 no. It is now. It's a standard now, especially in PA. I don't know. You might live somewhere else. I live in New Jersey. I'm where, right where over there. Where do you where do you put a body cam? I'm in New Jersey. Where do you put Where do you put a body cam at, my man? On your body. On your chest, right? Do you do, yes. you, do you know what SWAT and, and wears? Going, SWAT doesn't you're, wear. Your your SWAT team if doesn't wear. If you're going wear, into somebody's house, where's your body cam supposed to be at again? Right. It's supposed to be on your chest. On but your if chest. you're if you're if you have a SWAT team, there's usually a gun, okay. a taser, another life protector uh, um, thing on there. I, I I know personally what a SWAT you know member would wear. Now, should they have had a body cam footage? Yeah, but what does that have to do with his innocence? How does not having a body cam in where, Pennsylvania where, say that where, he's where innocent? Is the, where? But where's the body cam footage of him sorting the trash and the other trash? Well, they didn't have his name, my man. My man, they didn't have his name till December nineteenth. I think what you're what you're what you're misunderstanding but, is that you think that they had Brian Koberger's name the day and the moment that he committed the crime, and they were no, following him, watching him. Where's the body cam footage in PA that they said that they they so what 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 could PA and they, do? And he was sorting. All right. All right. Well, what could PA do? That is going to affect this case. Did they find the murder weapon at his house? Did they find? No, I'm. Did they find the clothes you, at his I'm house? At, no, they didn't asking, find anything. Right, PA didn't, ain't find nothing. So okay, PA, so what's he was the cleaning point? PA. Right, so and what's if the you want to be real, having, he was he was cleaning Idaho. What's the wasn't point he cleaning that, Idaho? What's the point? They didn't find anything in Idaho. Them, they man. ain't find nothing in his apartment, and they ain't find nothing in the car. So what's the one thing? I have to remove him because he's getting a little bit too argumentative. But what's the point? of having the body cam footage if there's nothing to show on it big blue and Jaime, i'm gonna ask oh, they, you that guys like they're 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 saying the the body cam because these are the people who believe that they framed um Koberger. oh so pennsylvania framed Koberger. no that everybody's in cahoots with, with the, why yeah. would why would pennsylvania frame Koberger for idaho because there's crooked cops in idaho that have Connections with the FBI and the FBI has connections with the Pennsylvania. This is this is this is where they're going. That no matter what what they do, they're always going to find some way to sit up and frame Cobra. That's yeah. what they're using. That body cam. Oh, they paste. That's what they got. 
so and so or they police it. That's why they don't have nothing there. You know what I mean? It's just I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's one just, of the things that th- that was a little confusing when he was trying to get through. When he was rummaging through the trash, it wouldn't be on baggage body cam footage. It'd be on surveillance footage, which we don't know that exists. It probably does exist, because that's when they would have been watching him. The body cam footage wouldn't show him rummaging through trash, because when they broke into his house, he was probably asleep or somewhere in his house. He wasn't yeah. at the neighbor's rummaging through the trash. Why would you carry your neighbor's trash inside your house and be rummaging through it? That, so that's where I think he's a little confused at. Yeah. I think it's it, he's getting uh, body cam footage with surveillance confused. footage. Yeah. Yeah. Confused. And, and, and it just kind of, like I said, it boils down to, like, what is it that PA can do? Or how does how do they affect the case? You know, like I hear a bunch of stuff like, oh, did you know that an ISP officer did this in this case? And I'm like, so what? You know, so what? How does he affect the case? You know, should he be on the force? Should he be, you know, doing things? Probably not. I don't know. I haven't invested. I haven't looked at it. I have no idea why people think he's, you know, he's shady or not. But what was his or her, you know, part into this investigation for what do we know? The FBI is who did the, the locations on his on the, on the pings. The FBI is who did the IGG and came up with his name. The FBI is who, who said it was a freaking Hyundai Elantra. You know, I would be more accustomed to believe that it was a, you know, an FBI agent that that framed Koberger. But then you have to ask yourself, when could that FBI agent have done it? You know, when could they have put the DNA on the on the knife sheath if the knife sheath was collected day one and an FBI wasn't there day one? Right. And it goes, it goes, it gets signed off, it gets boxed and it gets sealed. And on all parts of that box are signatures. That way, when it gets to Boise, to the uh, state lab and they, they, they collect it, they can ensure that it wasn't tampered with. So where, where's the, there's, there's a lot of parts to this, you know, that the frame aspect of it. It's not just, oh, it makes sense because he didn't do it. Oh, well, there's more to it. Big Blue, what do you got? I'm going to say, and the other part where we suppose we said that if the car was empty, he was in, he was innocent. Yeah. I never believed that. That's true. You know, I mean, I was always against that theory. You know, everybody has their own opinion, but to me, the skills that he has from the school he went to. Uh-huh. He would be able to conceal evidence hold on, hold on. before he got hold on, in his Blue. car. 303, I put you on. Can you uh, mute the background real quick, and we'll get to you once Blue's done talking. All right, Big Blue, what's up? Sorry. Yeah, that's what I wanted to say. was like, I always, I never base my guilt charge on him on the car being clean, because to me, he had plenty of time. To clean the car when he was not being watched. Because remember, he wasn't starting to be watched the first couple weeks. He wasn't watched until December nineteenth, my man. That's when the IGG, yeah, the IGG came back with his name, December nineteenth. You know, the if if you go read a couple of you know the articles that were out there, um, one of them states that Howard Bloom had a pregnant smile December nineteenth or December twentieth uh, because of the white Elantra that was crashed in in Eugene, Oregon. 
Why would they think that the vehicle in Eugene, Oregon was Brian Koberger's vehicle if they were watching him and knew that he was in freaking Pennsylvania by then? You know, why would they need to go and look at license plate readers on his way to Pennsylvania to find him? And then also there wasn't right. He wasn't on their radar. He wasn't on the radar until December 19th. So it's not like, all right, we know who he is now. Let's go back in time and watch him clean his car. It doesn't work that way. You know, What's this it called? Is when deja vu. When it, when it comes to the the the, the DNA in the car, uh, mm-hmm. I remember you saying, or not you, but like I remember they put on the on the on the thing um, that it said lack of of DNA evidence, right? Yeah, it says total lack of DNA like evidence. That. Yeah. That, would that would that be because it was cleaned and you can't? It's not usable. Um, I mean, it could be. It, it could be that uh, that there was no DNA in the car. Right. I mean, that's that's what, you know, the or could argument it be that is. there was a sort of a DNA, but they couldn't produce anything out of it. That's possible, too. You know, because of the cleaning agents and all that stuff. Yeah, that's that's 100 percent possible that they could have found something, but they it was too degraded due to things like that. Yeah, we don't know those things. That's true. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, they didn't say that they didn't find nothing. It just says kind of a lack of it. That's true. That is true. 303, you're on the air. What is going on? Is it me? Yes, ma'am. Oh, okay. Hey, so um, I'm new to this um, forum, and I just want to say, if you could remember back when Alec Murdoch Juror Mm -hmm. did the site visit of um the scene and he saw well he 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 walked the scene and he saw the threshold that he found was something that could have been tripped over that um was a um, trajectory or a angle or I don't know what you call it, but the angle that the gun um, killed Mm -hmm. the sun. And so my point is, okay, this is my point. The point is, if the jurors don't have the opportunity to go to. Are you still there? And Oh, there you go. Sorry. Yeah, you, you, you <laughs> there was a long pause there. Uh, so you're basically saying if the jurors sure. don't go out there, they're not going to get the perspective needed um, that they would, that they got in the Murdoch trial. Is that correct? Point is that there might be something that we don't even see we don't even think about and they go out there and they see and they it it's something like like the alec murdoch case where he found the threshold that was tripped on and found the trajectory of the gunshot it's similar to that well if the jurors don't have the opportunity to go to the scene of the house the idaho house there, there might be something that they could see that we don't even know about. 
that we don't even think about. Yeah. I mean, that possibility is definitely there. And, you know, that's, that's, that's why it's important. That's what, that's why it's important to keep the house up. Yeah. 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 You're absolutely right. Uh, Well, I appreciate your call. 303. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we're going to real quick before we're probably going to take just maybe one more call here in a second. But before we do, um, I saw somebody put something right here. Mitch girl says a retired detective said that the only way that DNA would not be in the vehicle is if BK set fire to it. Uh, there was no DNA period. So, you know, a retired detective can say a lot of things, but a current forensic death investigator saying something differently. I think I would take the word of the forensic officer uh, over the uh, retired detective who's, you know, maybe perhaps, you know, I don't know how long he's been retired for, but, um, you know, technology and, and investigating tools have changed drastically in the last few years. So I, I don't know about that. And I don't know what he said or didn't say, but, you know, nobody was actively bleeding in Brian Koberger's car. Brian Koberger wasn't actively bleeding. Nobody's life was taken in Brian Koberger's car. So the only blood that was taken into that house or into that car, I'm sorry, if he kept his clothes on, um, was what was hit in the front, right? He, he stabbed him with a knife, so he had to be in close proximity. Um, it appears based on the blood stains on the bed that the majority of the victims were laying down. So, you know, if he's over on top of them, then the blood's going to hit him probably in the chest and abdomen area. It's not going to go down to his feet. So he doesn't have to worry about the brake pedal or any of those things. He doesn't wear, if he doesn't put his seat belt on, you know, if he can just basically keep all of the, you know, area of where DNA is going to be at, is going to be on his chest and stomach. Then that's the only area that he has to prep prior to going in there. You know, I think that if maybe perhaps this wasn't a planned case, and I think we also have to remember when it was that this homicide detective made this statement. Maybe it was before when he thought that, you know, that maybe Koberger's motive had to do with something with rage, right? You know, maybe a ex-boyfriend was mad or something like that. In those type of situations, there's not that pre-planning. There aren't those things, right? So there's a lot of um, context that comes into what one person says at one time, you know, what I say at one time, based on the information that's there at that time, you know, I could, you know, I might say something and then I might be given information later that would change my mind. You know, I don't stick to one narrative or I'm not biased, you know, as much as people think that that may be the case. It's not. Look at the Richard Allen case. Yeah. That's a good, that's a clear one. It's a good example. Yeah. I can't be a, uh, uh, bias cop uh, defender in, in this case and the um, cop hater in the next, right? It doesn't make yeah, any sense. Facts. You know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, so f- f- when it comes to those things, it's just, that's what it's at. W- what are your thoughts, Blue? What are your thoughts on everything? I mean, they did get samples from the car and it came back negative, right? For DNA. Uh-huh. Yeah. I still, my theory is that he went in there prepped. Uh-huh. You're a criminology student and you don't know how to... Right. First of all, DNA in the streets are a rookie mistake. 
Right. But the parts that he did do right was there was no transfer DNA from him from the house to the car. Or from him to the bodies. Yeah. Could he be wearing the jumpsuit? Yes. Could he be wearing gloves? Yes. Was he wearing a mask? We found out yes. Could be wearing booties? Yes. There's no shoe prints. There's no blood trails. You know, when you walk out the house, if anybody that's worked in those kind of fields should know, it takes less than 30 seconds to take that suit off. Oh, yeah. It takes less than a second to take a pair of gloves off. It takes less than a second to take booties off. What would the DNA transfer if you took it off before you got in your car? Well, I mean, you brought up a great you got, you brought up a great point. And five oh nine, we'll get to you in a second. You're backstage, and five oh nine is going to be the last call of the night, guys. But um, you bring up a great point. There's no blood trail outside of the house, right? There's nothing there. So, um, what did he do? Could he, you know, if, if we're expecting this bloodbath in his car, shouldn't there be a trail leading to the car? Yeah. You know, what, what are we expected to believe that he washed the floor too on the outside? Uh, you know he must have done something to prevent though that blood from getting everywhere right i mean if if you don't see it on the stairs you're not seeing it on the walls you're not seeing it on the floor inside the house outside the house that must mean he prepared somehow in some way So why are we so surprised if we don't see all that inside the house? Why are we surprised when we don't see it inside of his vehicle? Why are we surprised when he is in struggle hand to hand in close contact with four people and there's no DNA transfer from him to them? Why are we surprised that he is not that he's also able to 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 keep DNA from them going with him out of the house? wore a protective suit he had to whoever did this had to have worn a protective suit had to have made um premeditative moves uh Mm -hmm. to commit this crime you know what i'm saying this isn't somebody that's mad or anger or somebody said something about him while he was drunk and you know he's full of rage and stuff like that this is not what that is you know there's a there's a camera recording audio 50 feet away if, if this was a rage incident, you'd hear the person barging into the into the house, the yelling, the screaming, the, you, you know, this and that, the whole the sound of rage. You don't hear that. What you hear is quiet. You hear whimpering. You hear whispers. You hear what's what's the yeah. sound of a methodical killer going through a house, taking the lives of four people. Yeah, I think if it was rage, it would have been to that, that person itself. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I hope people go to a different to a different room or different floor and take the body take the lives of those people if it was just towards one person, you know? Yeah. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Uh five zero nine, you're on the air. What's going on? Hey guys. Okay, thanks for taking my call and just bear with me. Okay. I, I just have a couple of things I wanted to say, wanted to to, to bring up. So I live out in this area. At the time this all happened, I was probably 35 minutes to 40 minutes away from the house. Mm -hmm. I have driven by the house multiple times, sat in front of the house. So 
the first thing I wanted to bring up, just as far as the demolition of this house, I, I agree with everyone pretty much. I, I think it's kind of insane because, you know, on TV, if you see the, 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 the pictures, the photos, the footage, whatever, on TV of the property, you, you cannot tell how close all of the surrounding properties are. Those apartments are so close. Houses, I mean, that the streets are so narrow. The, the cars parked on the street are, are not far from the front of the house at all. So when you actually see it in person, it is very difficult to not wonder how on earth did not more people hear what happened because it's just it's crazy how close everything is to this house so i think for jurors to walk through um to process this and ask themselves the same questions i think that's really important um now i i've gone back and forth with is he guilty is he not is there enough evidence is there not i don't know so because i live out in the area i'm a little further away now but i am still in eastern washington and I was told just yesterday by someone who claims, and I'm not saying I believe this person, I'm not saying any of that. I, I, what I am saying is I heard from an individual that claims he knows someone very close to the case, and there are thousands of pieces of evidence against Brian, and that the that he will take a plea, that it will never go to trial, that he will take a plea. And then shortly after I hear this, we hear that the home is, is going to be demolished at the end of December. So I guess my question is, oh my gosh, is, could that be because U of I, law I mean, everybody knows he's going to have to take a plea because there is all of this evidence that none of us know about. I mean, is that why they're just moving forward with demolishing the home? Seems kind of weird. I, I just seems kind of a coincidence. I don't know if that's been considered or what your thoughts are on that. You know, um, as far as him taking a plea, I'll say this. I've talked to some people who are close to the uh, the case or the families or the victims. And, and I, I was asked that once randomly, um, like, Hey, what do you think about him taking a plea? And I, I thought it was weird about the timing in which I was asked that it seemed as if somebody knew something. And so I don't know as far as the, uh, the, I think it's possible. Uh, I think they're going to offer him one, especially by who it came from. It sounds like they're going to offer him one. I don't know if he's going to take it or not, but, um, you know, as far as the thousands pieces of evidence, I, I believe it. I mean, they had, what was it like 52 terabytes worth of stuff against him? Yes, sir. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. I, and I, I've gone back and forth. I guess it's just, you know, there's a lot of us who, you know, aren't, trained professionals in this and we feel like we need more but we can't get more because of the gag orders and all of this so i've kind of vacillated you know one way or the other but then i hear something like this and I, you know it, it does make me wonder now if there is all of this that they're just not releasing and will we ever know if he did take a plea i agree 
I don't think he would. I think he's just going to write it out. It's it, either way. I think he's just. I I believe he'll he'll probably write it out. What does he have to? I mean, other than obviously, you know, you're looking at the death penalty. But I, I don't know. My my guess is he would go to trial. Um, I don't know. It's it's just it's such a hard one. And of course, out here, that's all anyone talks about. So. Um, but the home itself being demolished, just, I, I really think jurors, uh, need to walk through that place and just see for themselves how close it is and, and how on earth were not more people aware of what was happening that, that night. So. Go ahead, Emma. Oh, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. You know, what, what that tells me though, is if. You know, as how close it was and how quiet that night was, there was several, several um, neighbors who were awake during that time also. So there's not just, mm-hmm. you know, the audio from 50 feet away. You had, I believe, Enid Hart said he was awake. There was another lady saying that she was playing Minesweeper for days, you know, that night. And um, that it was eerily quiet as well that night. And you're not the first person that's told me how close and compact that area is. So what that tells me is that somebody yeah. went in there methodically, quietly, and very much well planned out and um, took out each of these people individually or, you know, I mean, obviously there was two in one room twice, but hit them in places where they couldn't scream, you know, and from what we understand from the coroner, the torso was the target in multiple uh, for all the victims. And so I'm not sure how much fighting a person can do how much screaming a person can do if if the first blow is to a lung and it collapses and you're and it's starting to fill with blood you know i don't think you can scream right. very much in that situation right yeah no that's that's a that's a good point i i did want to ask this it was just something i heard the other day and i i don't know if i've heard you guys bring it up or not but someone brought up the point about cross contaminate you know in regards to was there one killer or was there more you know or was there more than one were was everyone killed by the same individual so the and this could be under gag order i don't know but the cross contamination between the victims so you know what i mean was like if it was just the one nice the one individual is their blood shared i mean do they all have each other's blood or um, DNA because knife was used on all of them or do a couple of the victims, uh, you know what I mean? Or is DNA missing from one or two of them? I mean, I, I just thought that was a really good point to bring up. Go ahead. Em. I, I think we, well, I think I brought it up way in the beginning of yeah. how they could determine oh. the, um, the, the, the order that went, but if, mm-hmm. If he went from one victim to the other one, of, uh, you know, with the same weapon, then I would think there would be DNA from that victim uh, brought to the other one in one of the wounds, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, right? And then those two victims probably have the DNA on the on the third victim, and so forth, so forth. I mean, you're going right, it, and that- he, he 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 took the lives of four people, so there's a good possibility that. You know, metal fragments were left in the bodies, and they probably can match those fragments up together. 
Right. And I, I agree with that. I, I, I definitely agree with that. I think that this person's point was, again, when you're trying to weigh, you know, was it him? Was it more than him? Was it, you know, it, all of that? I think, I think the point that was trying to be made was, do they know if all of the victims, you know, shared that if it was as you're talking, you know, everybody had the shared fragments or blood or whatever it was um, yeah. so that they're satisfied that it's, it was one individual or, you know, are a couple missing from one. If that, does that make sense? Yeah, I, mean, I get it. Go ahead. Um, one of the things I wanted to say was they can tell by the, the flesh wounds or the wounds that the knife left, if it's the same weapon. So the coroner would report would say that. Kind of. Thing it, is, it depends. It depends. Cause remember our forensic death examiner yeah. stated that, you know, it, broken. right. If that every time it would manipulate or, or um, make small differences in the blade and that would make a difference in wounds. Yeah. But, but I, think, thing I think is, I think the fact that, I mean, not the fact, but I think what, you know, they're trying to do is the fact that is the, that if blood DNA wasn't uh, on one of the bodies from a different victim, then mm-hmm. there would be another weapon, right? That's that's what they're trying to say. Or another person. I mean, it'd be very difficult if somebody, I, you know. I was going to say, there'd be two people that were. Yeah. I mean, it, it would have to be because. Nothing, nobody's he, behind. Right. Even if he used like a different weapon, um, he still has blood on his chest. Right. He's going to have blood on his chest and his torso and his arms. And so when he goes into contact with the other victims, you know, there would be that transfer there as well. So it wouldn't just be the the fragments of the knife either. So um, I'm sure there's there's plenty of ways to determine that. And I'm pretty sure they've determined that already. Yeah, I would I would think so. I just I don't know. I guess I guess I guess I, I just want more more info. I understand why we're not getting it, but um anyway, I thought that was a good point that, that person had brought up. And anyway, thank you for taking my call. I appreciate it. No problem, no thank problem. And, and like you know, like for instance, somebody here says it doesn't add up or so much don't add up and just to kind of give you uh five oh nine, yeah, some I guess just a whole picture type of thing, you know. They have a white car driving around at the time that the murders happened without a front license plate, which he had a vehicle that matched that. Um, they have his DNA on a sheath on the inside of a button and the button snap, which is a very difficult place to to touch for one thing. And it's 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 his own. It's single source DNA. And that sheath was found on the bottom of a victim under the body of a victim. You have his phone turned off for a specific time. That specific time is during the murders. Right. You have his phone turn on and he's driving this weird route to get back home. Right. They found a uh, potential receipt. You know, I say potential receipt because I don't you know, we haven't seen it personally, but sources have indicated mm-hmm. that there's a receipt that's been found of a purchase of a K-Bar knife from Brian Koberger back in April 2022 through Amazon that cannot be found. Right. I mean, there's so much there that adds up in my opinion that only leads to him i mean you also have the witness statement and i know everybody's going to say oh dylan was this dylan was that whatever but dylan's statement doesn't exclude Koberger. she didn't say it was a five foot five 300 pound guy you know that would exclude Koberger. what she said was somebody that that in, briefly matches him that doesn't exclude him so i think they got their guy 
I think it's pretty clear. Right. Yeah. And I, and I am, yeah, I'm, I'm aware of all of that. I guess, you know, I, I still, obviously the whole eight hour thing that, that drives me crazy. I know that drives mm-hmm. a lot of folks crazy. Um, you know, I, I, I get the explanations. I understand where people are coming from, but I, I still, I just find myself, my, it's, it's hard for me to wrap my head around that and knowing there were other folks over at the property within that eight hours. And, um, I don't know the, the, the fact in Bethany head back to Nevada right away. Um, would you have I stayed? don't know if this is, what was that? Would you have stayed, especially with so many people blaming the victims? Well, no, and I'm not. I'm not saying that alone. Um, I, I'm just. I'm just curious. I would not have stayed. Of course not. And I, I don't guess. think she's from there either. It's I think not- she. I think she would have gone home. I think she's from Nevada. Okay. I and I don't know if this is accurate or not. You know, there's there's so many things out there. But I had heard she had also, and you might know this, that she had also uh, retained an attorney right away. Yeah, she didn't want to have anything um, to do with Brian Coburg's defense team. Yeah, but if she, but do you, okay, then as far as her possible exculpatory evidence, I mean, how do you, do you question, do you wonder what that could be? Well, or do you, it's I think it's something the defense, I think it's just a tactic, you know, um, yeah. because, their thing is that they 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 also said that they plan on on finding Brian Koberger's alibi through questioning the state's witnesses. Why not bring the one you think, you know, make a witness the one you think is going to help him out the most and, and ask them themselves. Why right. take it up to chance that the state is going to somehow bring somebody? You know, and you know what that is, right? What that is, is they're hoping that somebody gets nervous on the stand and says something sure. that they can trip up. Not necessarily that he's innocent. You know, nothing thus far uh, that has come out of Brian Koberger's defense team says he's innocent. You know, everything has been, you know, technicality because they didn't prove reasonable doubt in the grand jury trial. Or they didn't investigate all of Brian Koberger's family members who potentially could have been around the 1122 King Road residence at the time of the murders. The guy from Pennsylvania has some secret brother somewhere. That's that's their defense. That's their defense. That he has some relative somewhere that did this crime. Like, none yeah, of that screams I, innocence that, to me. No, it is all very, very sketch for sure. I, mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Um, well, I just, gosh darn, there was something else I was going to bring up and it just, it just slipped my mind. Um, well, I I don't know. I yes, I I am leaning towards uh, <laughs> right, and I'll, yeah, I'll, <laughs> towards his guilt. Right, obviously, obviously, we don't know all the information, right? So we can't say today one hundred percent. You know, go put this guy to death. We don't know that. You know, we want to see everything. You know, I want to see all the evidence. You know, if I was a juror, I'd want to see all the evidence. You know, that's put out to, you know, with what's out there, I find it hard for it not to be him. But I don't expect people to say, based on the evidence that they have, that it's 100% him. And that would be wrong at this point. Right. No, I, I agree. And I, and I certainly can't say, you know, he's, he's 100% innocent. 
mm-hmm. just because of what of what we what we do know. I mean, I obviously I would like all of the other questions answered. I wish we had access to more. Mm-hmm. I wish more was released, but um, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. I'm in, in other words, I don't know if what I had heard is correct. That we'll never know because it will never go to trial. Um, at some point, though, I hope we do find out because there's so many of us out there who, you know, need answers to this. We want the family to be the families to be, you know, to know that they have the right person and, and that, uh, you know, they're getting what they deserve in all of this. And uh, I think it's just frustrating for a lot of folks. So, yeah, I, I completely understand that and see that, you know, um, talking with the families, uh, talking with christy she seems fairly confident that they got their guy too good good well and that's that's important so she you know she has a lot more access uh to things than we do or i would think i would think she would be uh they would be a little more informed than the rest of us so um you know it gives me a little more confidence uh she's as confident as she is so um well i guess we just have to wait and see 100%. 100%. Well, I thank you for, for calling in and giving us your perspective. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Good night. And thank you very much for taking my call. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Good yeah. call. Great call. Happy Great holidays. Call. Happy holidays. Great call. All right. So, um, somebody said something. Oh, yeah. Right here. Didn't one of the girls see a naked man running outside? I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but, yeah. but if it is like, how does that exclude Koberger? It doesn't, you know, we, we, we think that he took his clothes off before he got into his car. That's why there's no DNA there. Yeah. At one point he'd be unclothed to do so. So I think that's possible. Uh, big blue. What are you, what are your thoughts? And that's the theory I had. If they did see somebody mm-hmm. with, uh, him changing into his, you know, out of his suit that he took. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of evidence that's out there guys that we don't know about. And if, um, you know, the caller is right, you know, she's from the, the area, the area code, I think matches up. Um, you know, if somebody did kind of come to that conclusion that they have thousands of, of evidence against him and that there's, that he's going to end up playing out. I believe it. I mean, I, I think, I think it's very difficult and once, once prosecution is there, right, and 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 the jury is there, there's not going to be um, a creator up there spreading or trying to manipulate the evidence in a certain way that's going to affect that juror. That juror is going to hear the logical explanation from the prosecution, and they're going to have to hear a logical explanation from the defense team if there's one. Right. They can't come out with these theories and all this other crap when it comes to the evidence that's pointing towards his you know, guilt, unless he goes up there and claims that those things are true and he takes the stand. Right. So they're not going to get all this pile of misinformation and stuff like that. So I think that once they have all the evidence laid out in front of them, uh, I'll be honest, I don't think that this case is going to take very long to get, you know, if if the evidence is there that I think is there then I think that, I mean, honestly, even with the evidence that we know now, I think it wouldn't be take very long deliberation for him to be found guilty. What, what do you guys think? And then we'll probably call it a show. I think it's just a big puzzle. 
you know, I think it's a a corner piece and like the side of the puzzle that we have as evidence right now, but I think there's way more to make it make it make sense. Yeah, that's true. That's true. What about you, Big Blue? What are your final words? Yeah, I mean, we still have to see what other evidence they have and see what the prosecution or not the defense has. Mm-hmm. I don't think they have much. You know, you're innocent of proving guilty by your peers. Yeah. Yeah, true story. I mean, he's presumed innocence through the court. You know, um, he's innocent until proven guilty or he admits to his guilt. And, um, you know, the presumption of innocence doesn't mean that he's to be looked at as if he didn't commit this crime. Right. That just means that you don't treat him as if he was guilty of this crime at this point, meaning you don't take his life. You don't sentence him at this point. All right. But you can have your opinions one way or the other. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I want to thank everybody. I appreciate everyone uh, on the show. We got one more super chat. Thank you so much. Micro Uh, Kimmy comes in was where are all Brian's friends coming out to vouch for their boy? Where's his character witnesses on his behalf? Anyone? I'll wait. Uh, there might be a lot of YouTube creators on that list. I don't know if they know him personally, but <laughs> they might be Ooh. on that list. Papa Rogers. Papa Rogers, right? Imagine <laughs> if Papa Rogers shows up. And Inside Looking, that's another one. That might be one of his buddies. Well, we, what's that? I just want to say thanks to everyone you know, um, for hanging in there with us even though it's kind of late. Yeah, I know. Uh, for those that play Fortnite, you might see us look up Drunk Turkey Dan. Uh, you'll see a squad there of three. It'll be myself, Hyman, our, our fourth turkey, Big Blue. I mean, <laughs> Jonathan, Big Blue. We've been waiting on him to, to jump on there. Uh, he's just... <laughs> I'll, get, I'll get there one day, man. I'll get there one day. You can use your Nintendo thing. <laughs> yeah, I have to buy the game, though. You, you don't, it's free. What are you doing? Your, your excuses are not make your yeah. excuses are nice. There, there is no reason, Big Blue, for you not to join our squad. The game is free. To play is free. To play online is free. And you don't have to have a PlayStation uh, to join. <laughs> I paused there for a reason. Inside joke. Um, you know, you don't have to have a PlayStation. You can play on your Nintendo. We can cross um, platform play. Cross-contaminate? Cross-contaminate. Angel D comes in with a $5 super chat saying, if they have undeniable evidence against him, why would they not offer a plea deal? They probably did offer a plea. From what I understand is people people are highly uh, suspicious that a plea has been offered. I'm put it that yeah. way. The, the, the people think that that's already been in the works. But we'll uh, see what happens. We'll see what happens. Yes, go Steelers. They play tomorrow at 3.30 Central, 4.30 p.m. Um, Eastern time. I'll only be able to catch about half of the game because then I got to go to a Christmas party. It is what it is. Thank you, Gail. We appreciate you guys. We appreciate everybody. At this point, we got our good friend that's going to tell myself, Big Blue, and, and Jaime a little, a little something. Give me a pillow, please. Get out of here. Get out of here. All right. We're getting out of here. <laughs> Later. Later. Uh, yeah, it would have been better. 